0: I'll tell you, what a statement. He has risen. Amen. And I have a message for you that I am so excited to present. In fact, it's going to be a very unique Easter message for you. In fact, at the very beginning, you'll be saying, how is this even tied in to... But wait, there will be more. But today's message, I want to talk to you about remembering your mountaintop experiences. Remembering your mountaintop experiences. Now, I've got to tell you that, that life is full of what I call mountaintop experiences and also valleys and mountaintop experiences are great times wonderful things are happening excellence things to celebrate I remember falling in love that was a mountaintop experience I remember getting married. I remember that day. I can tell you what I had for breakfast, how nervous I was, songs that were on the radio, everything, how beautiful Kristen looked when they opened up the doors. I, we had like a four-hour wedding. We had, what, three pastors do that wedding? They tag-teamed. I mean, everybody blessed us, you know? But it, and all I wanted was the whole ceremony be over just so I could be with her that was a mountaintop experience. I will also tell you about, I can tell you in detail, especially uh, our firstborn when Ashton was born, Um, I can tell you everything about that day, that was a long day, I can tell you everything about all the other children, I can tell you, uh, remember the mountaintop experiences when God opened tremendous doors for us, and when a a promotion would come in and, and such. And man, those mountaintop experiences are phenomenal. It's easy to praise God. It's easy to worship. It's, all, it's so easy to believe that, that God is good. But unfortunately, there's also in life what I call valleys. And sometimes in those valleys, your faith gets shaken a little bit. And those valleys are, are times when um, situation and things happen to you that you're not sure why they happened. You don't see the master scheme of God in this situation. It didn't go according to your plans. It could be as simple as a a relationship that that went sour and and you didn't understand because you really felt like that was the relationship that God had for you. It it could be that you got a notice at your work that they were no longer needing you there and, and you're questioning God, why? Why now? God, even in my faithfulness, why this? It also can come from a doctor who gives you a diagnosis that even down in your spirit you're saying, no, that's not the truth. But those are still valley times. There's also times when you'll experience the death of a loved one. I call those valley times also. Because even though and it's easy to celebrate when you know that they're, they were a born-again Christian and they're now in the presence of their Savior with joy unspeakable. But still there's a loss that We won't get to spend time with them. They won't be there when we call them on the phone. Those are valley times. And those are times when it's a little bit more trying on our faith. We're looking for God. It's hard to say sometimes in those valleys that God is good. Somebody who's been out of work for many, many months and has tried diligently, but is still holding on to their faith. And what I want to talk to you about is when you are going through these valley experiences... It's important to remember your mountaintop experiences. When I mentioned earlier, when, when Kristen was in labor with Ashlyn for 23 hours, okay, I'm just going to throw that number out there because, and um, I would say we were in labor, but she was really the one in labor, okay? Um, the labor and the intensity was going along, and, and my hand was getting crushed quite a bit. And the doctor said, well, it might be really good that when she needs something from you, would you remind her of a great memory or trip or travel or experience to take her mind off of this, the, the labor pains that were coming? And fortunately, we had just been up to uh, the Cape Cod area, and we got to travel quite a bit before the kids came, and, and I had all these memories and, and funny things that happened. You know, there's things that happen when in your family that only is funny to you. It may not be funny to anyone else, but... After 23 hours, I started running out of experiences. You know, we had a really good marriage, but man, you almost wanted to start making some stories up. Like, remember that time we were in Europe? Well, you've never been to Europe. Well, just pretend. Come on. I'm running out of things here. Because the pain was intense. And you know what those doctors had really found out was something that we as born-again Christians should know is that when you are going through trials, you need to remember how God was so good on those mountaintop experiences, that even when the pain is going through your body, you remember those times, and somehow it helps us to go through those situations. Now you may be saying, Pastor Mark, what does all this have to do with Easter? Well, we're going to be talking about and looking at a passage of scriptures, because you never know what's really around the next corner. You may be on a mountaintop experience right now, you may be in a valley right now, in fact, you may be in between. You say, you know what, Just this is a nice plain area. God is good and everything's calm. It's not too breezy. It's not too rainy. I'd love for it to stay this way. But we never know what's going to be coming around the next corner. We don't know where you will be at in two years from now. And you don't know where you'll be at two years from now. You may be on one of the best mountaintop experiences or you may be in a valley experience. But it's important for us to remember who God is when we're going through those valley experiences. The disciples had no idea that they were about to enter a valley time, and they were going to go through a low point with their relationship with Christ. You see, things seem to be going so well. Do you remember last week I preached about how Christ went from being worshipped on Palm Sunday and how he became public enemy number one the next Sunday. Something happened within that week that took people from laying and waving palm branches and crying out Hosanna to crucify him. And do you remember what that was? It was their expectation, their expectation of a Messiah. You see, they wanted Christ to become their king here on this earth and to get rid of the Roman rule in their lives. So, they wanted a temporary fix. They were not happy being under Roman rule. And if they would have really recognized how Christ came into the city on a donkey, because that was a symbol. Whenever you come into the town on a donkey, you come in peace. So, what's happening is they're about to experience a situation. See, they, the disciples, had the expectation that Christ was going to fulfill his kingdom. And they were going to have positions. Do you understand? I mean, they were hitching their wagon to a rising star. They wanted... You know, they were even probably talking about, you know... When, when we're in charge, things are going to be way different, okay? And man, I, I want to be minister of defense. I want to be... Yeah, why do they call him minister of defense? I mean, well, you know what? Bless this defense, go. I mean, I don't understand it, but you know, they, they wanted these titles, okay? And all of a sudden, they're seeing things happening that's like, wait a second, why does he keep talking about that he must die? And that, that's, and, and even they said to him, you know, this talk really isn't boosting your points in the rating system. You, you, you do know that, don't you? And so, Jesus was still on a purpose and he knew that his plan of why God had called him. But what they're seeing now, this is their mountaintop experience. I want you to know this. They're seeing Jesus perform miracles. They're seeing him feed 5,000 people. Okay? They're seeing people raised from the dead they're seeing people laying down palm branches and and crying out, Hosanna. And they're walking along the donkey saying, yeah, I'm with this guy. You know, this, this is so good. If my mom could see me now, you know. But a valley is about to come. The people started turning from Hosanna to crucify Him. During this uptime, it was easy to be a disciple with Christ. And there was no doubt that He was the Son of God and Savior of the world. But right around the corner, things were about to change. And the valley was there. In fact, if you read through the Gospels, you'll see that the disciples were also filled with fear when all of the situation started to change. And some doubted that that Jesus was the Son of God. And very soon, it's going to be very difficult to be called a disciple of Christ. In fact, one would deny Him. He let the... He lets them experience something that I want you to look at if you have your Bibles. We're going to look in Mark chapter 9. Now I want you to know in Mark chapter 9 we're going to cover this story. In chapter 11 of, not, of the book of Mark is his entry Palm Sunday. Chapter 14 is where he's being crucified. But I want us to look at Matthew I mean Mark chapter Mark 9 verses 2 through 9. And what he's allowing his disciples to see is something that we need to see maybe with a fresh perspective. Maybe it might be a way that you've never looked at this passage before. And they're about to see Jesus glorified here today. And I want you to see it as you're going through your valleys. The way we can glorify Jesus in any situation. So if you have your Bibles, Mark 9, verses 2 through 9. And this is what the Word of God said. After six days, Jesus took only Peter, James, and John. Now I want you to know also, these are the same men that uh, Jesus pulled aside when he did uh, the raising of the dead. Um, It's also, many you'll see also in the Garden of Gethsemane, it's these three. He's pulled them aside. And now he's taking them up, and he says, And he led them high on a mountain where they could be alone. And Jesus' appearance changed in front of them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anything on earth could bleach them. Then Elijah and Moses appeared to them and were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three tents, one for you, Moses, and Elijah. Now, i got to tell you, he's one of my favorite disciples, okay? The guy does not know when to keep his mouth shut, okay? And like a true guy, it's like, this is phenomenal. I'm going to run to Lowe's and let's build something. You know, it's like, <laughs> it doesn't say he just fell down any worse. It's like, we're going to build something. This is so phenomenal. I just, I, I relate to Peter. I, I don't know why, but it's just, he needs to keep his mouth shut. But right here, he's like, this is good. <laughs> Let's go and, and let's build some tents for you, Moses, and Elijah. We'll hang out. This is going to be a good gig. I thought things were good before, but this is even better. So now Peter didn't know how to respond, and he and, he and the others were terrified. So guys, when, when you're fearful, just go build something, okay? Then a cloud overshadowed them. Now, I tell you so, I, I tell you so many times, will you put yourself into this scripture? Have you ever been on a mountaintop and a cloud has come upon you? All of a sudden, your visibility goes down. Have you ever driven in really bad fog? I mean, I mean that fog where you really, I mean, if you didn't know the road, you'd be thinking, but I, I have driven in that kind of fog. And, and fog in itself can have a little bit of an effect on you. Because we're so used to being able to see great distances, but all of a sudden now everything is closed off. So I want you to put yourself, you're in on this mountain, and all of a sudden you're seeing some great prophets. Jesus became dazzling white. There are no special effects. Okay, This was not a tech tool. Okay, And they're seeing this, and all of a sudden a voice comes out of the cloud. Isn't that amazing? I mean, sometimes don't you just have to stop and just really look at the Scriptures? Don't just... How quickly can I read through this? And this voice, it says, This is... You know, I almost think it's like that guy that does CNN. Yeah, this is CNN. You know? I mean, but it's got to be that really deep... Hold on. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Now, if you're standing in a cloud and you hear this booming voice, you've never heard PA systems, okay? So it's not that we were just able to to tweak things. I I can imagine this voice being thunderous in nature, shaking almost the ground. Now, this was not the first time that, that God had spoken to declare His love for His Son. But now there's just these these disciples and Elijah and Moses and Jesus up there. What a great group to be hanging out with. I mean, could you imagine being honored to be in this presence and seeing this? There's a reason why they're seeing this though. I want you to see this because we're going to look in the Scriptures. Suddenly, as they looked around, they saw no one with them but Jesus. And on their way down the mountain, Jesus ordered them not to tell anybody what they had seen. They were to wait until the Son of Man had come back to life. Could you imagine seeing all this and then going down the mountains and all the guys are saying, Hey, Joe, what'd you see up there? Nothing. It's like, you gotta you I hung out with Moses. Elijah was there. I was gonna build him a little tent, but Jesus said no. But you know, I was gonna do something with them. Then there was this voice. Jesus said, You know what? Now, Jesus could have taken thousands of people on that mountain, right? But He chose a very few, especially the one that would deny Him three times. But He takes and allows them to see this for a reason. Now, the other Gospels will tell us, if you're reading this story, that they also talked during this time about His future death, resurrection, and ascension. But these were two of the greatest prophets from the Old Testament. If you know anything about their law, these were two highly revered prophets. And once again, it was good for the disciples to see because soon soon the people would be saying that Jesus was against the prophets and that Jesus had nothing to do with the prophets. And they would, but it was clear here that Elijah, Moses, and Jesus are speaking together. So what an amazing mountaintop experience for them to see because not only are they going to be hearing soon that Jesus had nothing to do with the prophets, they're, they're going to say, but... I saw them all hanging out on a mountaintop just just a week or two ago. There's going to be times that you're going to be experiencing Christ in those mountaintop experiences that other people are not going to understand. And they will try to talk you out of what you've experienced, what you believe. There will be people who will try to kill your dreams. There will be people that will try to dissuade you from what you believe. Just because they've never had that mountaintop experience. They've never felt the presence of God. Man, when I talk to you about experiencing God is more addictive than anything on this world, it's because I can tell you from experience that there is nothing more powerful, more addictive than the presence of God. And when we truly get hungry for God, nothing else will satisfy you. Everything else will wear off. But man, the presence of God. Man, when you get to where you feel like you're just shining with the presence of God. When God decides to invade your life and totally wipe you out, man, I'll tell you, I've I've told many people, if you ever see me slain in the Spirit, it'll be because it's truly God. It's not trickery. It's not show. It's not anything. And leave me alone because I just want to be alone with God. Okay? Don't throw a drape over me. Do nothing. It's because I just want to be with God. I see the shenanigans of man, but I also know that God can come in and totally invade my life. And I'd rather have that one moment, that one, that one nanosecond with Christ than to have a whole lifetime of everything this world has to give me. Thank it was an amazing mountaintop experience for those disciples to experience. And Peter wanted that moment to last forever. Do you see why he wanted to build a tent? He's like, let's just set this up. We'll just have profit land here. We'll just charge people to come in and they can visit with you and we'll make a ton of money and it's just going to be great. Forget Disney World. We'll have the best right here. He wanted that to last. I've wanted those moments with God to last. There have been times when I've been in the presence of God and, it, and all of a sudden I'm looking at it and it's 11.30 at night or 12. I'll tell you what, when you're in the presence of God, you won't matter. it won't matter what time it is. Everything else will just totally wipe away. Oh, I've got to meet so-and-so for lunch. I've got this this afternoon. Forget them. And I mean that in a very respectful way. I just want to be with God. And I want to experience Him. Amen. And Peter's experiencing this and he wants this to last forever, but it's not. Because in verse 5 it says, and Peter says, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let's put up some tents. But then that moment is gone. He didn't know what to say because he was so frightened. But that's what the idea that wasn't even a possibility, because a bright cloud then appears and develops them, and a loud voice comes from it saying, This is my son. Could you imagine being one of those disciples surrounded by the bright fog and hearing the voice of God? I'm imagining that Jesus is still glowing even in the fog. It's not a, a gray fog. It's a, it's, a, it's a beaming fog. And hearing that voice, and hearing that the Father truly loves His Son Jesus, that He loves Him and that they should listen to Him. You know why? Because very, in the very, very near future, when the disciples are about to go into their valley experience, people are going to be yelling that He is not the Son of God. Do you understand? That crowd that was crying crucify Him did not have that mountaintop experience, did not see the awesome power of God, did not hear the confirmation of the Heavenly Father. But these disciples did. So it's important that we understand that the religious leaders are going to be yelling accusations Because Christ claimed to be the Son of the Most High God. And it's clear that none of us truly understand what Christ has completely done for us. And I think one day in heaven we'll truly understand the cross. We'll truly understand grace. We'll truly understand mercy. See, everything that we read about we filter through our knowledge. Your ability to understand love is through your lens of giving love. Your understanding of mercy is kind of the way that you were treated and the way that you treat others. And we won't fully understand the complete love, mercy, grace, hope, peace that comes from God until we're standing in His presence. There are times when I have gone through valley time experiences. And I've had to remind myself of those mountaintop experiences. The knowledge that you have is going to be time spent in the Word of God. Austin, these scriptures aren't on the screen. But let me tell you a little bit about who God is to me. In 1 Peter, 2, 1, Peter one twenty-three, it says, I am God's child. In Ephesians 1.7 it says, I am forgiven of all my sins. In 2 Corinthians five seventeen says I am a new creature. First Corinthians six nineteen says that I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. In Colossians one thirteen says I am delivered from the power of darkness. From Galatians three thirteen says I am redeemed from the curse of the law. In Ephesians six ten it says I am strong in the Lord. In Ephesians one four says I am holy and without blame before Him. In Ephesians one six it says I am accepted in Christ. In Deuteronomy 28 verses 1 through 4 it says I am blessed in the city, I am blessed in the country, my children are blessed, and all that I put my hands to shall prosper. In Romans 8:37, it tells me that I am more than a conqueror. In 2 Corinthians 5, 22, it says I am an ambassador for Christ. In 1 Thessalonians 1:4, 1, it says I am beloved of God. In Psalm 17:8, it says, I am the apple of my father's eyes. In Jeremiah 31, 3, it says, I am loved with an everlasting love. In John 8:31, 32, says, I have been set free. Somebody needs to understand you've been set free. Galatians 2.20 says that I am crucified with Christ. In Ephesians 2.5 says I am alive with Christ. In Matthew 5.13 says I am salt of the earth. In 1 Corinthians 1.8 it says I am established to the end. In 2 Corinthians 5.21 it says that I am the righteousness of God through Christ. Ephesians 2.10 says that I am God's workmanship. In Philippians 1, six, it says I am being changed into His image. In Philippians 4.19 it says I have all my needs met by God. In 1 Corinthians 2.16 it says I have the mind of Christ. In John six. 647 it says I have an everlasting life in John 10.10 it says that I have life and have it more abundantly in 1 John 5.4 it says I have overcome the world in Philippians 4.7 it says I have the peace of God in Philippians 4.13 it says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength in Deuteronomy 28.13 says I am the head and I am not the tail now go ahead give God praise that's all His word When Satan attacks me and he puts me into a valley, these are the things that I need to stand on. These are my mountaintop experiences that no matter what the world's telling me, no matter what the doctor's telling me, no matter what the situation is, these are the things that define who I am through Christ. Now many, many years ago when I was not in Christ and I did not have the hope of Christ in me, I would have agreed with everything that was negative coming into my way. I would have not argued with the doctors. If I was let go of a job, I would have gone into panic and depression because I didn't know how I was going to fulfill my, my responsibilities. When somebody would attack me, I would attack back. But then when Christ comes into your life and He starts changing you, And He allows you to go through some of those valley experiences. But you still feel His peace. You still feel His presence. And the more that you run to Him, the more He runs to you. And that no matter what is happening in the world around you, you still have the strength and security of those mountaintop experiences. And all of a sudden when I'm going through those valley experiences and God reminds me of some of the walks when He just gave me a new song. And He said, Mark, do you remember that song that you made up that nobody else knows, that that Christians never even heard? Maybe no human ears have ever heard because I was just so alone with God. He said, can you sing that song for me right now? And I'll be honest, I'll say, no God, I don't feel like singing right now. He said, do you remember that song? Do you remember what I gave you? Do you remember the vision and the hope that I gave you? Do you remember the calling that I have upon your life? Do you know why you were created? Do you know why I sent my son to die for you? Now are you going to focus on that? Are you going to focus on what somebody wrote in an email? Or are you going to focus what's on your checkbook? Are you going to focus about what the doctor's telling you? Decide today, Mark, what you're going to be thinking. This is just me sharing with you when you are going through valley experiences. Because we don't know when we're going to be walking through that valley. But I will guarantee you that you will walk through a valley. But you better have your mountaintop experiences well documented. You need to have this list because I'll tell you what, if you are walking in depression and you read these scriptures every morning, it will break that depression. It defines who we are in Christ. It defines what the body of Christ should be. You said, Mark, you you put a lot of things out there. I'm becoming those things. I am not the man that I used to be, but I'm not the man that God still wants me to be. And it is a process. It's important that we understand. You see, the disciples got to see Christ. Hear the confirmation of who He was on this mountain hear the declaration of God because the valley was just two chapters away in the book. And we don't know what next two chapters of our life are going to be like. I hate those phone calls that come late in the evening or early in the morning because normally it's crisis. Rarely do you all ever call me and just say, good morning. You know, it's normally <laughs> crying and weeping and gnashing of teeth, okay? I kind of dread those then I have to say, God, give me strength. And I want you to know that when you're talking to me, I'm constantly praying, God, give me your words. Give me your words. Because at that time, I know that your situation is bigger than me. I cannot control your boss. I cannot control your spouse. I cannot make your children do anything. But I can be praying for you. And I can pray that God would give me just that one scripture that becomes rhema word to you. Because once it becomes rhema word to you, it becomes alive. And you may have just heard one of those passages that said, that's a great scripture. I need that. That will be your rhema word. And when you are going through that valley time, that's when you hold on to that rhema word. Because these disciples are just two chapters away about going into a valley. So they have to see this. They have to understand what their strength is. They have to remember who Christ said he was, who God said he was when they are on the mountain. Right. Come on. Because there is about to be a time when everything that they've understood is going to be tested. Right. Knowing this, it makes the denial of Peter even more just unfathomable. Yeah. But I can't tell you that if I was surrounded by Roman soldiers, I might not have done the same thing. We can't judge that. But if Peter had been remembering those mountaintop experiences, there may have been a different writing. And this helps us all. This helps us all when we're going through situations, difficulties. I don't know where you are right now or where you will be, but today we can have a mountaintop experience. See, I want you to know that we have to understand who Christ truly is. Amen. On. Colossians 1 verses 14 through 20 tells us this. His Son paid the price to set us free, which means that our sins are forgiven. Amen. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He created all things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether they are kings or lords, rulers, powers, everything has been created through Him and for Him. He existed before everything and holds everything together. He is the head of the church, which is the body. He is the beginning, the first to come back to life, so that He would have the first place in everything. Isn't this a great passage? I mean, don't you think, if you're going to ever have a t-shirt that says anything, it should have all of this, and just let people read this in our lives. Verse 19, God was pleased to have all of Himself live in Christ. God also was pleased to bring everything on earth and in heaven back to Himself through Christ. He did this by making peace through Christ's blood sacrificed on the cross. You want to talk about other ways to heaven? I'll talk to scriptures. You want to talk about buying your way into heaven? I'll talk to scriptures. You want to talk about just good works getting you into heaven? I'll take you to the scriptures. It is through grace that we were saved. God's Word is our mountain that we need to climb. You see, the disciples had to climb to get up into that experience. But I want you to know that every time you get into the Word of God, you're climbing a mountain. You're experiencing God. You may wake up, you may not even feel like reading the Word of God, but you do it out of just obedience. And it's not how quickly I can get through my Bible morning reading whether you just spend all the time on one verse. You're climbing a mountain. Every time you come in on here on Sunday, whether you feel like it or not, you're climbing a mountain. I'm going to tell you that the times that you will be tempted most not to come will be on Sunday mornings when you're deciding to get ready to come to church. You climb that mountain. There, every time you walk in and Dino is leading us in worship, we're climbing a mountain. Oh, the music's too loud. Climb the mountain. That's not the song I like. Climb the mountain. I wish they would do this song. Climb the mountain. Every time you're standing someplace and God tells you to minister, minister to somebody, you're climbing a mountain. Those are our mountaintop experiences. That is what is going to give us the strength when we're going through the valley times. Do you understand how important it is for us to come together and worship and spend time in the Word of God? Because that is creating our mountaintop experiences. It's important that we understand. I wanted to close with a very simple little story. And it's from the great, I'm going to put great American evangelist, Dwight Moody. He told about this woman who because of her sickness, was confined to an attic apartment and did not get out at all and spent all of her time in this attic. And one day, a friend and a very wealthy friend of this friend were going to go visit her. This building does not have an elevator, so they're climbing the floors. And when they get to the first floor, the wealthy friend says, this place is so dirty and disgusting. And her friend just said, it's going to be better higher up. So the wealthy friend and the friend gets to the second floor. And the wealthy friend has another comment about the dirt in this place. How could anyone live in this place? It was not her standard of living. And her friend says it gets better higher up. They go through the third floor, the fourth floor, and they finally get to this fifth floor little attic room. And the moment they open the door, this this invalid, this little woman, her smile, her joy was just contagious. And they they walked into the warmth of that room. And she had everything so clean in this little little room. It was immaculate. And there were some flowers on the windowsill. And there was life. And they enjoyed it for a minute. And then the wealthy friend said, I still don't understand how you can enjoy living here. And at that point, that's when the invalid woman said, I've spent time in the Word, and it's better higher up. Do you see, her eyes were not on this physical world. Her eyes were not on her limitations. Her eyes were not on her lack. She understood who she was in Christ and what was waiting for her one day when she walked into the arms of her Savior. Unfortunately today, so many of you have your eyes on what's around you and not what's above. And when you're walking through a valley time, that's exactly what Satan will want to do to your life. He will want to convince you of all the fault that you see. When you're looking at receiving Christ, He will show you all of the fallen people that have professed Christ and have let you down. And there's so much filth and decay in this world. But I'm not of this world. I've been bought with a price. This is not my residency. In fact, this, the world, this world is a tent to me. And I don't want to live forever in a tent. But it says that there's a home prepared for me one day in heaven. That's my residency. That's where I'm living. You know, whether you're off at college, you know that dorm room is not your forever home. It's just a temporary place. And you try to make it as nice as it can be, But you know what? In this world, we still have to lock our doors, lock our cars, hold our possessions, watch out for everything, be on alert, don't go out at night. If you do, carry a stunner with you, everything. Because that's the best this world has to give. But one day, we're going to have residency in a place where there will be no sin, there will be no crying, there will be no more death, there will be no more sickness, there will be no more depression, there will be no more lack, there will be no more need. That's where you were designed to be. But while we're going through this life, there are going to be some valleys. And I want you to remember your mountaintop experiences. I want you to remember who God says you are, not who your boss says you are. I want you to remember that you are loved, not the way your parents loved you, but the way God loves you. I want you to feel the peace that not this world can give, but only God can give you. And I'd like to lead you in a very simple prayer. And this prayer, if you say it and you mean it, will radically change your life. In fact, I brag on my God to say, I'm going to ruin you for sin. Because once the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, I pray that the things that you've been addicted to will no longer have any desire in your life. And you'll want to spend some time in the Word of God. Now, will you go home and your home will be instantly clean and your spouse will be instantly wonderful and your children will be charming? No. Okay? I'm going to tell you that from experience. But God puts something inside of you that allows you to deal with it a little bit better. And now all of a sudden your happiness is not dependent upon them. Your teachers on Monday will still be mean. But all of a sudden you'll walk in with a little bit of grace and peace. Your employer will not change. But your attitude will all because of what Christ can do in you. When you talk about all this, Pastor Mark, what does all this mean? I'm telling you this, that Jesus Christ was sent to this earth to die on a cross and to become the ultimate sacrifice for your sin, your shame, your guilt, your sickness, your disease. He purchased it all on a cross. We watched a little bit of the Passion of Christ And if you've ever seen that, it's a moving, moving movie because you see them literally beating them. In fact, uh, the reason they only beat them 39 times is because 40 would probably kill them. And they wanted to save some entertainment for the cross. And I was watching this, and as they were walking, there was a character walking through the crowds that represented evil, which represented Satan, thinking, I have finally done it. This who said that he was going to be king, I'm killing him. Little did the devil know that a valley experience was coming to him. Because three days later, when Satan when Christ came out of the tomb with the keys of death, Satan was defeated. Satan was defeated. I want you to know I've read the end of the book, Satan has been defeated. No matter what you're going through right now, Satan has been defeated. I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ not only as your Lord, but your Savior. And if you say this prayer and you mean it, it will radically change you and it will prepare you for heaven. But it's just the first step of a relationship. Those steps also involve spending time in the Word of God. Worshiping God like you've never worshipped Him before. If it takes you getting alone with God... And saying, Father, I just want to stay in this, this room until I experience you. Test Him. Trust Him. See what He does to that raw faith. When you expect God. You see, I think one of the, the faults of the body of Christ today is we've gotten away from expectancy. We don't want to expect anything. We don't want to promise anything that God might not do. Have you read His Word lately? My God can do anything. Anything. And He's waiting for a people that will believe Him to perform those miracles. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I'd like to lead you one of the greatest miracles. And it's the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Would you all repeat with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need Your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior and I am saved. Amen. Now, if you said that, great things are ahead. A new beginning everything that you've done has just been forgotten Satan will try to remind you of all the things that you did you need to remind him of what you did when you receive Christ in because the word of God says you're a new creation the old has passed away do you understand the newness of a new creation he has risen he has risen indeed I'd like to speak a blessing over you as we dismiss today. So would you all please stand with me? So may the Lord bless you and protect you. And may the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you His favor and give you His peace. So go in His peace. God bless you. Thank you for coming today. Happy Resurrection Day. We love you.